I need everybody very quickly to close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Okay? Now, come on, don't look around. Now I need you to stick your tongue out at me. Okay? Now take your index finger and your thumb and hold your tongue. Come on, just do it. Come on. Stay with me. Okay, now open your eyes and look at everybody else doing it. You all look ridiculous. <laughs> okay, you can let it go. Tonight's message is called How to Hold Your Tongue. And we're not talking in the literal way like that. I mean, that's not really what it's about. But uh, that's not the whole point. Very quickly, somebody grab your phone or your Bible, whatever you've got it. Find 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. We've been in 1 Corinthians 13 throughout the entirety of the series. Yeah. Okay. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. And you're like, what does this have to do with love? We're in a series on love. 1 Corinthians verse 13, verse 1. Who's got it? Somebody got it? Okay, somebody read it aloud very quickly. If I speak with tongues of angels or of men, go ahead and put it up, Wes. But I do not have love. I am nothing but a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. A resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. What? There's a several different songs that they quote this verse. Which one are you talking about? I don't know if I know that one. He says it, quote, unquote. Okay. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah, there's a uh, Newsboys quoted in, in one of their old songs. It's very common, okay? So, tonight we're talking about holding our tongue. Anybody want to take a guess on how many words a day we speak? They threw an answer out in the video. They said 18,000 in the video. I did some, uh, some research. One place I and there's a bunch of different answers. Uh, nobody seems to be exactly sure. One person I saw said that men speak about 7,000 and word, women speak about 20,000. I'm just, another place said women were about 7,000, men were about 2,000. Either way, here's the thing. We talk a lot, right? We can all agree. Most of us talk a lot. Uh, I talk more than the average man, I think. I'm okay with that. Um, I do. Which means that words are pretty important, okay? If we talk, anything that we do a lot probably has a high sense of importance in our lives, okay? I found a quote about this. From the movie The Dead Poet Society. And it's uh, Robin Williams says this. He says, So avoid using the word very because it's lazy. He's an English teacher. A man is not very tired, he is exhausted. Don't use very sad, use morose. Language was invented for one reason, boys, to woo women. And in that endeavor, endeavor laziness will not do. I just like that quote. I don't know why. The, the movie's pretty entertaining, too. Um, pretty dark, but it's entertaining. It is. It's very dark. Like, it's, it's, de it's depressing. I mean, the movie's called The Dead Poets Society. It's pretty depressing, but uh, it really is. But it has its funny moments. So we're going to talk tonight about how to control the words that we say, okay, the stuff that comes out of our face. We're going to talk about how we can control that. Now, can anybody tell me, like when you were in like probably junior high, maybe in elementary school, you learned the six main question words. Remember what they are? The five W's. Right, who, what, when, where, why, and then how is the, the, the H there, okay? So tonight we're going to 
look at those questions. We're going to talk about the words that we say through those six questions and those six filters, okay? Um, so the first question, we're not going to start in, we're not going to go in that order that you learned them just because it worked a little better this way, is what am I saying? Okay? So the first thing when we get ready to say something, and almost no matter what we say, we have to know, am I saying something that's right? Is it the right thing to say? Is my content accurate? Okay? Is the, you know, if I come outside and I say the sky is green, my content is inaccurate. I am wrong, and I should not have said that because I sound like an idiot. Yes? Okay? So we have to make sure that our content is accurate, okay, especially when it comes to, um, and, and this is kind of where we're going to spend a lot of our time tonight, but when it comes to correcting people or, 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 or trying to, you know, help somebody else do something better, we better make sure they were wrong in the first place, you know. If I come up to you, and I've done this in worship practice before, um, probably at some point, you know, I'll hear a funky chord, and I'm going to look back and say, Hey, Taylor, you know, when Taylor's playing the guitar, like, hey, Taylor, you know, what, was that chord right or not? And he'll be like, I played it right. And then Wes will be like, sorry, that was me. You know, I accused Taylor, but it wasn't him. I was inaccurate. Okay, usually it's Wes, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, if I accuse Taylor, but he didn't actually do it, then I am very inaccurate in my assessment, and I should not have said that. Okay, that's a, that's a time when I am a <laughs> resounding symbol. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep doing that throughout the night. That's why they're all here. I'm going to hit all of them at some point. So, try not to crack any symbols. All right. So, here's question number 2. First question was what? And if you get if you're a note taker, you can be taking these notes. That's why I'm putting them up there for you. Or these are on U version. You can follow along later. I'm going to get to that in a second. Okay? Question number 2 is why am I saying it? Okay? Why am I saying what I'm saying? If I'm correct, I have to make sure that my motivations are also correct, okay? In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How many times have you, let's think of a situation here. Here's a question that always has selfish motives. Are you going to eat that? Right? Because you never ask that question thinking, really caring if the other person, all you care is, the real question is, can I eat that? Right? Like the other day, where was I yesterday? I was eating with somebody. Oh, I was eating with Blake and, and Nick, and uh, they're youth pastors. And, and so they both had their families there. And so we had Kinley. She's like two. And Sophia's a little older. And uh, Sophia's little brother was there. He's a baby. He's still in the, in the car seat kind of thing. He's still an infant. And uh, Nick accidentally got Sophia and like Sophia's like three maybe. And he got Sophia a reg. We were out at Jersey Mike's on 191. And he got her a regular size sandwich instead of the kid's sub, right? So the kid's sub is just one little thing. It's like three inches. Well, he accidentally got her the six inch, the regular size. Okay, he really didn't mean to. It was an accident. So we get about, you know, we're, we're, we've been sitting there for a while. We're just kind of talking. And uh, he's finished. All the adults are finished. And, of course, the little kids are always the last ones to eat. So, you know. So Sophia has had like two bites of this thing. I think she was watching Frozen on an iPad. And so she was like, she was like not paying attention to her food. And so what does Nick say? Sophia, you going to eat that second half of the sandwich? He knew good and well she wasn't. He just wanted this, the sandwich and he took it and he ate it. But we do not ask questions like that looking out for the other person's interest, okay? 
Too many times we ask questions looking out for our own interests. And we need to be aware of that. The Bible says do not do anything out of selfish ambition, but do things looking out for others. So when we, when we speak, we need to make sure that our motives are not selfish. And it's very easy for us to get that way. And I am the chief of sinners here. But, but we have to watch out. We have to know what our motivations are. Okay? Here's question number three. Who? Who? Like an owl, right? We got to know who, who are we speaking to? Okay, who am I saying it to? Again, if, if going back to that worship practice example, when I talk to Taylor and I say, Taylor, you missed that note, I'm talking to the wrong person. He didn't miss that note. Wes did. Okay, going back to that example. All right? So here's the thing. we got to make sure that we're talking to the right person. If somebody comes up to me on a Sunday morning and says, hey, what are the children's church going to learn today? What am I going to say? I have no idea. I'm not the children's pastor, right? You have asked the wrong person. I'm going to point them towards Charmin or Jamie or Melissa or whoever's doing kids' church that day. Okay, so we have to make sure that we're talking to the right person, you know? And, and this, is, this is another way that this turns up. This question is super important, and this is kind of what they were talking about in the video there, is gossip, okay? Paul compares gossip to murder uh, in the Bible, and, and you know, sometimes... If somebody's going through something, you know, somebody's struggling with something, we're going to go to somebody else and be like, hey, did you, hear what, did you hear what happened? Did you hear what she did? Did you hear what he did? Okay? Right? That's talking to the wrong person. If we have a problem, we need to talk to the person we have a problem with. And, again, do it gently, and we're going to get to, to, to kind of the rest of that here. Okay? So we have to make sure we're talking to the correct person. Okay? Now here's another question. And, actually, I'm going to combine the next two questions together. That is when and where. Okay, when and where are we saying it? Now, here's the thing. You say, I've examined this statement. It's accurate. I know my facts are right. I am doing it for selfless reasons. I want this person to, to, have, to benefit from this. Okay, I know that I'm speaking to the right person. I've got the right person uh, picked out or whatever. Um, but if you do it at the wrong time or the wrong place, it becomes a huge issue, okay? Timing is everything. They say that in life. Timing is everything. Back at my old church, um, I talk a lot about Micah. He was uh, our worship pastor, which kind of meant he was also over tech, which meant he was over the lights in the sanctuary. It's kind of his job to make sure the lights were, were done in the sanctuary. And uh, one Sunday morning, Micah's the worship leader, and at about five minutes till service starts, church was just about to start, one of the ladies in the church comes up and starts, like, berating Micah about a few of the lights being out, okay? And she is, like, angry at him, you know? She's, she's, she's borderline yelling at him. She's got this very harsh tone of voice. And how come, you know, how come those lights didn't get fixed? I thought those were going to get done before the week. And, and you know, it, it was a, and you know what? Her point was correct. The lights should have been done, and Micah knew that. You know, his, his week got busy. He didn't get to it, but the lights should have gotten done. And she was speaking to the right person because Micah was over it. And, and, her bene- and she was not being selfish. She wanted the lights to be correct so that the whole church would benefit. She wasn't being selfish. But her timing and her place were wrong because what happened when that happened, when she did that to Micah, was that Micah's whole mindset got jacked up. And he was about to go lead worship and about to enter into the presence of God. And now all he's thinking about is these stupid lights. 
which are cool and lights are important sometimes, but, but in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to praise and worship, they weren't that big a deal. And she could have waited till after church. She knew that nothing was going to happen between, you know, 1027 and 1030 when service started. So she could have simply waited till later, till after the service and said, hey, how come those lights getting it fixed? And Micah would have taken it very graciously as Micah does. Okay, but her timing was super wrong. How many of you have ever said something just at the wrong time, right? Somebody throw an example out. You spoke too soon? Yeah, that's a common phrase, like, oh, I spoke too soon. Okay, give me a specific example. When something, you said something that while it may have been accurate and you may have had a good point, you just said it at the wrong time. Anybody think of something? Imagine this. Let's think of it this way. I know a lot of you guys are athletes. Imagine you're about to go on the field for the playoff game, the big game. Okay? You're about to go on the field. You're all huddled up right before the game. And you're focused. You know, you're ready to go. This is a big thing. It's the end of the season right here. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, I'm wearing different underwear than I wore last week. And you're like, you know what, that may be true, and that may be interesting, but right now is not the time and place to share that with me, right? You're like, you're like right now, when we're trying to focus, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get in this thing, we don't really care what underwear you're wearing, right? Time and place, even if we're saying the right thing, and we're saying it to the right person, and our, and our, uh, our, our, our motivations are right. If we say it at the wrong time and place, clashing gong, resounding cymbal. Check that out. What's the only question left? We, we, we've done five of the sixth. How? How? Right? Okay. Like an Indian. How? Now, there's a couple things about how we say something that I want to get to here. Again, you're... you're, you're you could be correct. Your facts could be right. You could be saying to the right person. Your motivations are good. You're in the correct time and place. But how we say it makes a big difference. Does anybody here ever watch the show Friends? It's on Nick at Night at Night, right? I know West. Okay, some of you guys do. Okay, good. I really thought West and I were going to be the only hands up and I was going to feel old. So I'm glad some of you guys still watch that on Nick at Nights, the reruns, every night. I know. We, we, we throw them on a lot of times too. Now here's the thing. What is... What is, uh, what is Joey's favorite pickup line? How you doing? Right? He says, how you doing? Now, there's a bunch of different ways we can say how you doing. You know, if I see you guys like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I give you a high five, that kind of thing. If I came up to one of y'all and was like, how you doing? You'd be like, why are you creeping on me right now? Like, what's, what's wrong with this picture? Like, this is creepy. This is weird, man. Don't be talking like that. Why? Because the tone is all wrong. It's the wrong tone as a... Uh, as, as Christopher Walken says in something. I can't remember what he says it in, but uh, it's the wrong tone. I know what it is, but it doesn't matter. No, it's not. It's not the rundown. It's, uh, oh, Joe Dirt. But, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's, that's not the point, right? See, because it's about, it's about the tone of voice. The proverb says this in Proverbs 51, 1. A gentle anger turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay. Let's, uh, okay, there's something else we can, that we have to be aware of, and that's not only our tone of voice, but our wording matters, okay? The, the words that we use in, in forming a sentence make a difference. This is why it's important to have a good vocabulary and to read and stuff. But uh, um, when, 
the way we say things, you know, you can use the right tone of voice, but if the wording's all weird, the point doesn't get across right, and it's weird. Okay, let's put it this way. Again, going back to my worship practice analogy. Imagine we're at worship practice, and I hear Audrey make a mistake. It rarely happens, but occasionally Audrey makes a mistake on the piano. Okay? Audrey makes a mistake on the piano. I have a couple ways I can react. That's one of them, actually. If I said, if Audrey missed a note during practice and I went, well, that sucked. How's that for, how's that for, for gentle correction, right? Not so much. Oh, right? Oh, okay, I misunderstood. Right? See, that hurts. That, that would hurt. That would not be very nice, okay? But what if I said this way? Hey, Audrey, do me a favor. Just double-check that note, okay? I heard something funky. Just do me a favor and double-check that, right? That's a lot nicer, right? The point gets across. She knows, hey, I, I made a mistake there. But the point gets across without me being mean and without belittling her and without being rude about it, okay? So the how is very important, making sure that our words are are correct, and we're gentle, very gentle. If you have your phones or your, your whatevers and you have your Bible, um, your version app, I put a poll question on there tonight. Okay, I'm getting fancy. Went, went uh, above and beyond what I normally do, so you can find the live event. If you don't know how to do that, I can show you later. You can answer it later. Um, the question is simple. Which one of these is your biggest problem? Some of you, you know, you say the right thing, you say it at the right time, but your tone of voice is all wrong. Or maybe you need to be better at timing, or maybe you, you know, whatever it may be, okay? Um, one of these five things, either what, why, who, when, or where, or how. One of these five things, whichever one is your biggest problem, I want you to go on the Version app, find the, tonight's live event, and check that, and, uh, so that you can know which one you need to work on, okay? Now, we've talked a lot about how not to talk. Right? I hit the symbols and the thing and the whole deal, right? Okay? We've talked a lot about how not to talk. Um, so let's talk quickly about how we should talk. Okay? There's, some, there's a lot of verse in the Bible about how we should speak. And uh, so we're going to very quickly here, we're going to get through several of them. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful, again, back to the why, right? Is it helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen? Right? So let's benefit the other person. This comes back to our why and our motivation. Yada, do me a favor, have a seat, please, okay? Thank you. All right, Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation always be what? Full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Okay, Proverbs 51, we already mentioned it, but I'll read it again. A, what kind of answer? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. All right? Ephesians 5, 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And this is not just in the fall, okay? But thanksgiving. We should speak in thanksgiving. We should be thankful for the things that we have, okay? And I'm going to tell you, the way we speak makes a huge difference, okay? It really does. Speaking positively, using the correct tone of voice, not to say we can't correct, but, but doing so in a loving way and in, a, in the correct manner makes a huge difference in our lives. Some of you who were in Orlando might remember, I was only a few of you guys, but uh, the tall, gangly dude who was one of the judges for Audrey and Amanda. Um, he was a friend of mine, friend of my dad's, mentor to, to both me and my dad. His name was Pastor Jonathan. Um, and uh, we went up and shook his hand and got to talk to him for a little bit before and after they, play, they, they sang. It was really cool. Um, this morning I woke up to find, a way, find out that he had died of a heart attack last night. 
Yeah. Pastor Jay, who, like I said, I interned under him when I was uh, a senior in high school, got to spend a summer working under him, learning from him, and super cool dude, and very, pretty young, only like in his 40s. He might have been 50. I'm not sure exactly, but... Uh, Last night he passed away of a heart attack. And so this morning I was just kind of thinking about him and, you know, remembering him. And one of the things that, one of the things that, uh, that caught my attention when I think about Pastor Jay is that he was like the nicest dude in the world. He was just nice. I mean, he always was quick with a smile and a joke and a big tall hug. You know, he's like Chris Murdoch. You got to feel like you're reaching up to hug him because he's 6'8", you know, I mean, he's super tall. But quick with a hug, but even when I interned under him and I was an idiot 17-year-old, okay, and man, he had, our band was good, the worship band and the choir was really good, and you don't get that way, you don't get good bands like that in choirs without correcting people sometimes, but even when he corrected people, even when he uh, had, had, to, had to say something, he always did it in a way that you almost didn't seem like you were being corrected. Have you guys ever been yelled at by a teacher or a parent or a coach or, or a choir director or whatever? You've been yelled at by somebody, right? And you're like, you're like, man, that makes me want to not do what you're asking, right? That don't, that, right? You, you, our natural instinct is to like rebel against that, right? No, man, you know, we bow up and all that kind of stuff. Pastor Jay never did that, man. Pastor Jay was the best. Pastor Jay, he'd ask you to correct something and he would do it in such a nice way that you're like, I just want to do this for that man. I need to fix that F sharp. I'm sorry, Pastor Jay. I will play the F natural next time, I promise. Like, he was super nice even when he was correcting. He was just gentle. He's a gentle giant, man. Yes, ma'am. Reminds you of your second grade GT teacher? Yeah, like super nice. And then you feel worse about it, right? You actually feel more guilty when they're super nice about it. Yeah, and that's how Pastor Jay was, man. He was just like the sweetest dude in the world. And man, no matter what, how he was correcting you, you know, just, it, it almost didn't even feel like a correction. It was just, because he really wanted you as a musician to get better. You know, he'd say, hey, Tony, you know, if we're working on arranging, hey, this doesn't quite work. And he would explain why, and I'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense, and I would get better at it, because that was his goal, man. He was, even when he was correcting, he was always encouraging. And so our words are super important. The way we say things, the timing it's all super important. In my life as, as that intern, I never heard Pastor Jay yell in two, two, three months, whatever. Don't think I ever heard him yell once. That's not to say he never did, but he knew that I didn't need to see that. You know, again, back to the time and place and the who. He knew that I was not the person, if he was going to yell at whoever else, if he was really going to get, you know, really going to come down on somebody, it sure wasn't around me because that wasn't what I needed to hear. And if he came down on me, he'd pull me into his office and, you know, we'd talk one-on-one. -on -one. But he, he almost, you know, he never yelled at people in front of other people, never made anybody feel bad. When I was about 13 years old, there was a guy in my church. His name was Tim, Tim Rogers. Okay, Tim Rogers, awesome dude. He's about 5'4", a little short dude. But I'm pretty sure he could kill me with his pinky. He was uh, like ex-military. I, I don't remember which branch he was in. But, man, this dude, he was ripped. He was in great shape, you know. Um, at the time, I kind of had a crush on his daughter, but I was terrified of him. So, uh, you know, and I was like 13. But so, like, he was cool dude, though, but like, like awesome dude. I still know him. We saw him, or I saw him just last year when I was in, oh, we saw him when we were in Florida for, uh, for our parents' birthday last spring. We had dinner with him. Um, super cool dude. And I'll never forget, he pulled me aside one day. And y'all know me, I like to talk. I talk often and a lot and loud, right? We know this. 
Um, he pulled me aside, and I can picture where I was in the building. Like, I can picture the room in the church. It was in a little side room right behind the drum set off the stage, um, a little workroom with a copier and that kind of stuff. And I don't remember what I was saying. I was saying something stupid like 13-year-old me was, was, was uh, prone to do. And I remember he pulled me aside, and he told me this quote. And I found out later, nobody really knows who originally said it. Some people say Mark Twain said it. Some say that Abraham Lincoln said it. But the quote is this. It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Okay, I paraphrased it this way. It is better to be quiet and have people think you're dumb than to speak and prove that you're dumb. Okay, that's basically what it's saying. It's better to be quiet and have people think that you're dumb than to talk and make sure everybody knows you're dumb. Okay? And some people think this is in the Bible. It's not exactly in the Bible, but Proverbs 17, 28 is kind of similar. It says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongue. Even stupid people, if they're quiet, people will think they're smart. That's basically what that proverb says. Okay? There's no better way to prove that you're foolish than to talk too much. And I have done it many, many times in my, in my life. Okay? So how do, we, how do we do this? Okay, Tony, you gave us a whole lot of stuff tonight. There's a whole lot of points and the six, and the six questions and the Pastor Jay and all this stuff. How do we do that? It's pretty simple. You see, the Bible says that uh, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Your mouth is part of everything. And Jesus knew that because Jesus kind of piggybacks on it in Matthew 12, 34. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if we want to get our mouth right, but our mouth is the overflow of the heart, that means we got to get what right? Our hearts. we got to get our hearts right. we got to make sure that our hearts are in line with Jesus, that we're walking in relationship with him. we got to make sure that we're right here before we can get learn how to, how to hold our tongue. Y'all close your eyes and bow your heads. I simply am going to pray for you guys and pray for me. I want you to think, kind of the challenge as we leave here, the take home is this. Is my heart right in order to keep my mouth right? Is my heart right in order to keep my mouth right? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for this word, um, for your word that corrects and instructs and rebukes and teaches, God. Lord, I'm grateful for it and for the authors who gave it to us through your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray, God, tonight that we would take this to heart, Lord, that, that our hearts would be right with you, that even now as we sit here, God, there are students that are getting their hearts right with you. They're asking for forgiveness. They are, they're repenting of sin. And God, they're getting their hearts right so that our mouths can be right too. God, I pray that you would guard our tongues. God, teach us to hold our tongues. Teach us to use our words to edify. Let our words be helpful and benefiting to others and full of grace and gentle and full of thanksgiving, God, like the Scripture said. God, let us know what to say and let us know who to say it to and let us know when and where to say it and let us know how to say it, God. God, through the overflow of our hearts that are in relationship with you. Tonight, Lord, I just pray that you would 
Hold our tongues for us, God. Even when we run out of self-control as we all do, God, I pray that you right now would help us learn how to, how to help have that self-control. God, that you would teach us how to do that, Lord, and that you would make our hearts more like yours, that we would become more like you in the way that we think, in the way that our hearts are acting, God, and therefore in the way that our that our mouth speaks. God, that we would be a good representative of you to those around us. Lord, and that above all else, God, you would be first and foremost in our priorities and in our lives and in our decisions. God, and in everything else that we do, Lord, let you have all the glory and the honor and the praise. We thank you because you are good, because you are a Father who corrects gently. God, because you have given us this opportunity tonight, Lord, to change and to be more like you. God, we love you. It's in you and we pray. Amen. Amen.